Hello and welcome to the Theories of Change podcast hosted by the International Development Consultancy, IMC Worldwide. In this podcast, we invite participation from leading thinkers and practitioners in the fields of international development, ranging from water and sanitation to engineering, to post-disaster reconstruction, to evaluations in conflict-affected environments. Today, we're going to be talking about key performance indicators, or KPIs, which have a long history in business and in industry. But as international aid is subject to demands for increasing accountability, transparency, and better value for money, KPIs are finding increasing use among international development agencies like the UK Department for International Development. Now, KPIs can help development agencies clearly define the impact they wish to make, but how do we ensure that KPIs are matched with other tools to tell a rounded story of development impact and performance? Joining me today is Matt Spanagle, an independent climate change and development consultant who has worked in over 50 countries. He uses his knowledge of climate change science, policies and programs from public, private and multilateral perspectives to provide climate and development solutions to international development projects and programs. He is currently assisting the government of Seychelles in developing practical pathways and proposals for delivering the 100% renewable Seychelles National Pledge as part of their Paris Agreement commitment and broader low carbon development through the United Nations Development Program. He is also assisting the government of Ghana on a similar project. And previously, Matt worked as a climate change advisor at the United Nations Development Program and at AusAid, and he's an author of the textbook, The Complete Guide to Climate Change. Matt. Welcome to the show. Hi, great to be here. Great. Do you want to just, shall we just start with a broad question? What is a KPI? That's a pretty broad question. Uh, yes, it's a way in which you can take a large and complex amount of information and and bring it together from many different sources to get a single indicator that somebody who maybe doesn't know all of the details in the context can make an assessment of the success or otherwise of a particular intervention. So it's a way of, of summarizing up a large number of information sources. Uh, so you could call it a key performance indicator. Other people might call it a scorecard or performance metrics. They're pretty much the same thing. And so we, we've seen a lot of application of KPIs in the, in the business, in the corporate world. That's sort of a, like a basic tool for you know, success in anything from tracking performance to reducing inefficiencies to identifying areas for improvement. So we, so we see businesses right. running them. Um, just talk us through how a large agency like, like the UK D, uh, Department for International Development or USAID, um, how, how do they apply KPIs into their own work? Um, well, it's, they, they're looking for the same results. USAID, AusAid and DFID have all started using, have been using KPIs for some time specifically to drive better value for money and to to try and capture more objective decision-making. So maybe if I can draw a little bit more context, in international development, when it started out, development assistance programs started in the post-colonial era, you know, post-World War II, sort of 50s, 60s, as, as European powers and so forth decolonized, there was still a need for interventions and assistance, particularly around humanitarian crises. So. If there is a, a disaster, a flood, or, or if a long-standing problems like around famine or droughts and so on, there was this sense that, well, we have to step in, we have to help out. And it was much more that um, kind of charity mentality of, of seeking to help. Yeah, and that was where development assistance really came from. And if you talk to people that work in the humanitarian field now, they still say, no, no, just 
get us the money and we'll get it done and, and we need to respond today. It's not about planning. It's about immediate response. So that's kind of the, the history of development assistance. But over time, as as countries have grown and, and, you know, as a global society, we've become more interconnected and more resilient. The number of interventions that are really about saving a life today has diminished substantially. That's now around 10% of all de- development assistance. And so rather now it's more around infrastructure and energy and environment and climate change and so on as part of development assistance approaches. So as we move away from that immediate response to the planned interventions, it makes sense that we should be looking at how successful our, our dollar spend has been or our euro or our pound spend has been and and how can we over time assess our own progress and improve upon it the way you would ordinarily do that is you would have experienced skilled long-term employees who've been working at differed for you know 25 years and they started there as a graduate and and they've been in different two or three different countries and they really understand the context and the nuance of the area that they're in those individuals are more and more rare in today's workforce. Nowadays, it's much more you're in for three or four years and you move on to something else and you might work for two or three different agencies and you might be in the same field, like I've been working in climate change and development, but for multiple different organizations. So that institutional memory within individuals no longer exists. So for institutions and organizations to function effectively, they need to somehow capture that knowledge in a in a metric or a measure that can be tracked over time by multiple different uh, individual humans. So part of it is a you know we've evolved from being humanitarian organisations to to much more planned interventions, and part of it is about adapting and using different tools because we have a different type of workforce. Got it. And just it's interesting what you're saying about how you know, the nature of, like, let's say the workforce within an international development agency is is changing. I mean, two themes that we that we see uh, coming up increasingly in, in our work are, number one, accountability, and number two, transparency. And those, that, that's, that's largely because of, you know, cha- changes that are happening within the international development agencies that we're, that we're supporting. So can you, can you just talk us through, like, how do... KPIs fit next to those two other terms that they're so often linked with the, the accountability and transparency components of, of programming. Right. And they're important components. And, you know, your taxpayer dollar and my taxpayer dollar, well, my taxpayer euro and your taxpayer pound uh, need to be accounted for somewhere. And I want to know that my money has been effectively spent by my government. And so I want that accountability. I think we're living in a time where the trust in government is not what it once was. And so we're not going to rely on our government to say, yes, yes, we've done a good job, trust us, we want data and figures. I think this is supported by the fact that, you know, with the internet and the internet of things and and just the vastness of data availability now, and not just data availability in our ability to measure things, but in our ability to compile them and bring them together uh, through the internet and, and and through uh, collaborative working amongst different people over over large areas. So it's not just me working in my office, it's me working with you in another country and working with our colleagues in Africa and so on. 
So there are more tools available to make our governments, to, to make the data available for accountability. On the transparency front, I think that's about trust in government and we just want to see we want to see more, you know, and, I, and it's if the information is available, why shouldn't it be made public and and therefore hold our governments and hold our governments to account for the things that they're doing. But if I'm a member of the public and I want to check up on you know, how much money is DFID spent in climate change in Africa, let's say that's my question. You know, I don't have the knowledge background to understand all the nuance and to understand exactly whether or not this particular intervention was good value for money or it should have been done in a slightly different way. That's not the knowledge base that I have. So what I'm looking for as a member of the public is some simple tools that will will give me the summary of information from the different programs. And that's what KPIs are. That's, that's one of the main purposes of KPIs is effectively as a communication tool. What has DFID done on climate change in Africa? How many tons of emissions have we avoided in the last year? That's exactly what a KPI will deliver, and I can, as a member of the public, assess that. It's, it's interesting to talk about um, KPIs from an accountability and transparency perspective and how KPIs can help the average member of the public uh, learn a bit more about what his or her tax dollars or euros or, or pounds are, are doing. But if we sort of look more internally to at sort of program management aspects of international development programming, there's a strong link in, in the literature uh, between KPIs and learning, uh, meaning between KPIs and an international development agency's ability to, to learn. Can, can you just talk us through that? Sure. Yeah. So your executive director or your CEO and your communications director they want KPIs to have on the website to, to provide that information, look at the successes that we have achieved. That's their purpose, yeah? And that's what Joe Public wants to see. Uh, but internally, so if, if I'm the Climate Change Africa Program Manager, let's say, I'm not sure that title exists, but if it did, uh, what I want to know is, well, I've, I'm looking at 10 different interventions in seven countries, what are the similarities between each of those and which ones are more successful and what am I seeing in, in country one that I'm not seeing in country two and how can I learn from what happened in country two to, 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 to help improve what I'm doing in country one? Like these are the really the sorts of day-to-day -day questions that you, you're looking at when you're managing programs like this. And a KPI won't give you the answer to all of those, obviously, but it will tend to draw out It'll, it won't distinguish between, you know, four out of 10 and six out of 10, but it will show you the difference, <clears throat> excuse me, between two out of 10 and eight out of 10. So if I have a very highly performing program in a particular sector, that'll become obvious through the KPIs and that will help me to see, oh, well, what is it that's happening in Kenya? What is it that we're doing so right there that maybe we're not doing somewhere else? It's not performing quite so well. So it helps me to identify the opportunities and, and also maybe to identify the laggards. And, and then the KPI itself doesn't help you learn. It helps you look to where you can learn, where are the places where there are learnings to be had. So, I mean, you know, you always see KPIs. Yes, we're going to use our KPIs for learning, but you're not really. Actually, what you're going to do is use your KPIs to help you identify where you can do the learning. And the real learning comes from drilling down a bit below the KPIs. Yeah, okay. And then how 
how do KPIs fit into like a, a larger mix of development programming? By, by that I mean is essentially what are the limitations of KPIs? Like when are they not enough on their own? And sort of how do you match them up with, with tools that can, that combined with KPIs can help you tell a very comprehensive sort of rounded story? Yeah. I mean, you know, like all tools, they're, they're most effectively used when they're used intelligently in combination with other tools. And that's true of KPIs. So if you have your decision making reliant only upon KPIs, you will find that you drive your programming towards areas that are most easily measured and towards areas where low-cost interventions are readily available. And maybe if I can give you a specific example of two good programs that DFID has been running and that IMC has been working with, one is in Bangladesh, and there DFID, through local agencies and, and partners, has been promoting and facilitating the uptake of solar lanterns. So these are, you know, handheld devices the size of a A5 piece of paper, solar panel on one side, a couple of LEDs on the other. You put them in the sun for three or four hours a day and you've got two or three hours of lighting in the evening. Perfect. You can carry them around. If you're in a flood prone area, you can move them easily. Or if, if you're moving around with them, you can take them as a torch as well as a set lamp. Yeah, great. It's the right intervention technology for Bangladesh where they are now in rural areas of Bangladesh. And they're cheap, you know, you can get them in the field for $20, $25 per head with all transaction costs covered. And so that program has been very successful and, and we've shown large, uh, a very high KPI number when the key performance indicator is improved clean energy access. On the other hand, in Rwanda, DFID is working with local partners to promote solar home systems. So this is a fixed panel on the roof and it includes two or three lights in the house. It might include enough power, a battery for storage and enough power to run a radio and a phone charger. And in some instances, depending on you know if the household's willing to pay for it, you might be able to run a small DC television. Now those are two very different applications and the solar home system might cost 200 plus dollars and provide energy access for four or five people that are living in that house. So if you look at the, the cost metric versus the number of people getting energy access, well, the Bangladesh program is three or four times better than the Rwandan program. But they're at different stages of development and they're targeting different end user beneficiary groups and different creation of a market in Rwanda rather than immediate first step uh, on the development to promote education and women's uh, inclusion and so on in Bangladesh. So our broader policy goals are quite different between those two programs. All of that is to say, if I only look at the KPI in my decision making, I might say, well, okay, Bangladesh is the one to do, put all of your money in Bangladesh. And you know, Rwanda and, and other programs like that wouldn't see the benefits. That assumes that the Rwandan program is not good value for money, but it is good value for money, but in a slightly different way than the Bangladesh program. So that's the limitation is that you end up with, if you only use the KPIs, you end up with distorted decision making. So maybe just to say how to avoid that limitation or how to temper that limitation. And that is, you know, sensibly using 
staff members and a broader process of decision making that's not only reliant on one indicator. And you know, I'm happy to say that that's exactly what DFID does and, and most development agencies. There will be a resistance to too much reliance on KPIs to avoid that um, removal of experienced, nuanced, contextually understanding decision making. But if you have an inexperienced team or you're in a new area that the, the agency hasn't worked in before, for instance, then the KPIs will take on a, a more important role because you don't have that balancing experience factor. So Matt, in your experience, have there been times when KPIs for whatever reason, might be political reasons, might be financial reasons, uh, have you seen times when KPIs sometimes are consciously not used? Yeah, uh, well, if you work closely with KPIs, you, you end up getting the idea that KPIs can solve all your problems. But if the agency doesn't have enough money to continue a program, it doesn't matter how effectively the program has been run and how great the KPI is, there's no money, it's not going to continue. So, you know, it, it never solves that problem. Um, it can help to prioritize resource allocation, but it won't give you resources if resources aren't there. Uh, also, you know, there's legitimate reasons when KPIs will be overlooked or set aside. Uh, listeners might recall two or three years ago now, uh, the government of Uganda passed a law that um, outlawed homosexuality and the governments of Norway and Denmark both pretty much immediately uh, halted any funding to Uganda. Uh, and the UK government had a, an intervention similarly not too much longer after that. And essentially, those governments said, we don't, they didn't have a problem with the interventions up to date that they were working on in, in various sectors. So they, their KPOs were, were sounding well, uh, but the governments just said, look, we have larger principles at play here. And no matter what the KPI says, this is not something that we as a government representing the views of, of our people, you know, as a democratically elected government, this is not something that we can be a part of or support, and therefore we're ignoring and setting aside all of our KPIs for, for these other higher principle reasons. And I think maybe that's a, a way to, to say if you are looking at KPIs or if you're working closely with them, they really can provide an excellent metadata tool that will help you to find where real successes are and, and learn from those successes and help you to see where other areas maybe aren't doing so well and need more attention, need more program design interventions and so on. They can really help you in the program management. They can really help to summarize up and distill a whole range of good work into easily communicatable uh, outcomes that the members of the public can see and understand. But they must always be looked at as part of this bigger context with multiple other um, views and experience and program decision making in play. And they should be seen as one important but not alone tool for good programming and, and development outcomes. That was Matt Spanagle talking with me, Sajid Chowdhury, on the Theories of Change podcast hosted by international development consultancy IMC Worldwide. If you're interested in more about KPIs, you can check the links in the description, including a link to a blog post that Matt recently wrote for the IMC website. 
Uh, to learn more about the work that IMC does to support countries around the world, visit our website on www.imcworldwide.com, and you can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. And make sure you do subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much for listening.